breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline with us this morning, host of Gun Talk, Tom Gresham joining us. Tom, good morning. What's the temp where you are now? <laughs> well, I'm on a great epic road trip right now, so I'm just outside of Austin. It's forty eight. I'm gonna spend five weeks driving and touring and mooching off of family and friends. Oh wow. Well how wow. fun is that? I'll give you Mike's address. Yeah. <laughs> Come so, on. Uh, all that means is now the bill collectors cannot find me. Oh, that's good. Uh, State, State Representative Danny McCormick has proposed again uh, a bill that would make concealed carry legal in Louisiana without a permit. Um, he's had trouble getting this passed before, and there are many that say this governor will never let it be law. Um, you agree? Well, let's go back. Uh, it's called constitutional carry or permitless carry. It's now the law in, I think it's either 25 or 26 states. Florida's just about to pass it. Uh, it's actually not a big deal once it gets passed, but everybody loses their minds when they're talking about it. Uh, yeah, I don't think uh, the governor's ever going to sign this, but that doesn't really matter at this point. It's just a case that you just got to keep pounding it in. Now, whether or not McCormick's bill is the right bill is a different issue, because I know there are probably some competing thoughts on that. But, look, this thing has been passed in more than half the states, and it's just not a big deal once it goes through. There was some talk that his bill last year was tied to uh, this was arming teachers or something like that. How, do, how does it get kind of twisted like that, like what happens and, and made it go down, fall down in defeat last year? Sometimes with these things, Aaron, um, people get kind of wrapped around the axle and they lose sight of what they're actually trying to do. But a lot of times what happens, unfortunately, is you know, the sausage making in the legislature, it's like, well, I can support that if you add this, or I can support that if you take out this. Mm. I and think that's what know happened. It, it, yeah, I mean, before you know it, it doesn't even uh, resemble the thing that was introduced originally. I think that's what happened. Another member of the legislature said, well, I'll support it if you, you know, if you arm teachers. Right. And then it gets complicated because other people are going, well, you know, I would have supported it until you put in the part about arming teachers. Now I'm out, and now here we go again. Right. Okay, Tom, we're talking to Tom Gresham, host of Gun Talk on Sundays, 1 to 4 here on Keel. Um, there are there are some who say, well, this takes out the training component that, that is important for people to learn all the laws, etc. Is that a big deal? Uh, short answer, no, it's not a big deal. Uh, and look, I, I, I feel so split on this i am a strong proponent of everybody getting training and everybody being safe but what we have found is I mean, it's not like we're having to reinvent the wheel here we don't have to guess what's going to happen yeah, that's silly we already know what's going to happen because it's more than half the states have this nothing's going to happen you have no increase in accidents you have no increase in suicides you have no increase in crime literally nothing happens because here's the thing the bad guys aren't affected by this in the slightest. Right. They are they're already, already carrying yeah, guns. Exactly. Yeah, they're not waiting for this thing to get permission to carry a gun to commit a crime. That's just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Now, what you do have is that it would be nice, I mean, I, in my utopian world, 
I would love it if, you know, in conjunction with this, the state would say, and we're going to start, you know, running a huge campaign of public service announcements about what you can and what you can't do, what you shouldn't do when you're carrying a gun concealed for your own protection. Here are some of the common myths, and there are a lot of myths out there about what you can and can't do. And frankly, that's kind of what you get with the training classes. And so I would love to see those kinds of things come out where the state says, we're going to help safety by actually distributing information. I I talked to some law enforcement folks yesterday who said, you know, it, it really doesn't matter all the training you get. You really have to be active and go use your gun and stay familiar with it, you know, repeatedly. You can't go get the training and then throw your gun in your purse and take it to the grocery store because you're, you're not going to be comfortable with it. And that's kind of where I am, Tom. Yes, I have a gun, but I don't go out and use it enough. We, we need to change that, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, any more than if you say, okay, I took my student driver class and I got my permit and I didn't drive for 20 years and now I'm an excellent driver. It uh, doesn't work that way. Uh, you, it is a perishable skill. You need to take classes. Well, you know, here's the thing. Let's back up. You have to make a commitment. I am going to be serious about this. It's a serious subject. Carrying a loaded gun for self-protection is a very serious thing. You can help people. You can save people. You can save yourselves. But if you're stupid or incompetent with it, you can actually start endangering yourself or other people. And so I am, I, as I say, I'm a huge proponent and getting training, and then going back and getting recurrent training. But, and here's where I split on it, I think it's a really bad idea for the government to require training for you to be able to exercise a basic, fundamental constitutional right. Is the concealed carry license, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. No, 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 no. Is the concealed carry license more about a money grab by the state? Let's let's issue these licenses and charge you two hundred bucks. Is that what this is yep. going to come down? But we're going to have to do away with these oh, license yeah. fees. Absolutely. This is look. Here's what's happened: is the state now is addicted to being able to charge you to sell you back your constitutional rights. They <laughs> took it away, and now they're going to sell you back your constitutional rights for several hundred dollars. And they are absolutely addicted to it. The, the, the sheriff's departments are addicted to it. The state police are addicted to it. And in other states, you know what they had to do? They end up saying, okay, we're going to provide funding to supplement the departments to offset the money that you lost from the scam that you created by selling people their constitutional rights. Well, you said something interesting earlier, Tom, uh, talking with Tom Gresham, host of Gun Talk, heard here on Keel, that, you know what, we're not reinventing the wheel. This is done already in over half the states in, in the country. Let's let's get with the program. Exactly right. Here's the thing. And people, they want to pontificate about what would happen. That's like you and me arguing about how tall is the doorway over there. When we can just grab the tape measure and measure it, we already know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's saying that blood will run the streets and every fender bender is going to turn into a shootout is just making a fool of himself. Life. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and T Rex McCarty. 
it's not nice. Happy Monday. My friends are calling me that now because I have to exercise with my little arm. You know, my little, I can't move this arm like, so I have to put it out like this. They're like, okay, get your T-Rex jump, jumping jacks going. So I did T-Rex that. jumping jacks. That was bad. Do you, you leave got, your brakes on when you? Oh, no, I got to take it off to get in the pool. Okay. Yeah. Breaking news this morning. Look at you. Look at oh, look at me. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you for that credit. Uh, yeah. Uh, apparently, DOTD Secretary, former DOTD Secretary Sean Wilson, who resigned about three weeks ago, and everybody said, "Well, he's going to run for governor." Mm-hmm. And uh, sure enough, this morning, early this morning, he throws a Facebook page up saying, "Sean Wilson." governor yep so he has made it official right uh and this marks the really the first major democrat candidate in the race mm-hmm. and i texted him this morning a picture of his facebook page and said so you're in and he's not replied so i'm afraid the phone number i have for him may be a state issued phone which he no longer which would he have would no longer have access to because i texted him friday on that same phone and i think friday was his last day and he didn't text me back usually he's pretty good at texting back so i'm gonna need sean's new phone number anybody that's got it shoot it to me because it looks like he is in the race and the whole purpose of him getting in the race is you know i i don't know that he thinks he can win i don't know that you get in the race knowing you're going to lose but i i think he doesn't want to republicans in the runoff i mean i think he wants to be a spoiler and then if if he is a spoiler he could you know if something big were to happen to one of the republicans that made the runoff um then he could coast in wilson you know we've talked with him several times a friend of the show over the years Mm -hmm. very likable very likable man very intelligent um he would mark a, a a significant uh, opposition to the Republicans and this signifies the need now for the Republicans to work together yeah. unlike the last two gubernatorial elections we've had mm-hmm. where Republicans were infighting and egos got in the way and allowed John Bell to kind of slip in the back door if you will twice yes yes they need to shore it up and decide who's going to be the guy that's going to get all their support. That's, and the, and that's the, right. They're yeah. gonna, they need to all rally behind mm-hmm. the, you know, and we one have, candidate. We have uh, Jeff Landry on the show tomorrow morning in the 8 o'clock hour. So that's going to be one of the topics I'm sure we'll talk about with him. Now, of course, State Attorney General and considered the lead mm-hmm. Republican candidate. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, he's going to, we'll ask him about Sean Wilson. I mean, is he a formidable candidate? Sean Wilson, I mean, though we know him well on the show, he doesn't have statewide name recognition. He's not been a politician. Right. I mean, he's been in the Department of Transportation and, you know, doing a lot of the grunt work. Um, he's a likable man. He's very friendly. He's, you know, he, he can cross those party lines, some say, but don't ever forget he's a tax and spend Democrat. Anytime we ask him about gas taxes, oh, yeah, we need them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bring on some more gas taxes because we got to pay for this backlog. Don't hear him talking much about cutting so we can <laughs> use the money to pay for the backlog. I hear a lot of raising taxes. Now, if he's running for governor, will he say that? I don't know. But, I mean, I've got a zillion pieces of audio of him saying, 
we need to increase that gas tax. We haven't increased it in so many years, blah, blah, blah. So I remember know, that not too long ago. Oh, absolutely. And he, and he, um, but again, we'll see. He's got the Facebook page up. It looks like he's uh, tweeting. Is that what you do? You tweet? I, I mess that up sometimes. I'm sorry. And um, We're not big tweeters. Yeah, be careful. Um, so game changer for the race, perhaps. I don't know. Big well, name. You know, you, you, you bring up an interesting point. Um, does he have statewide name recognition to, to you know, gather the, the Democrat support? Mm-hmm don't know i mean being you know he's a high profile candidate in respect that he's he's been active as as you say dotd secretary right uh being a black candidate won't hurt oh absolutely not on the I democrat mean, side absolutely not he'll he'll get people's vote simply because of that and that's not a good thing i don't think but he's a good man i mean i i truly i like the man i think he's a wonderful guy same here um Policy-wise, I'm not so sure. I mean, I still, you know, you've been in charge of DOTD for eight years. I still get clunky glasses when I'm driving from Texas well, into Louisiana. That, that's what, you know, we had something on the message board last week talking about we we speculated he was going to run for governor. Everybody mm -hmm. thought that was the reason he's uh, retired from the DOTD. And some of the messages were like, What's he got to run on? What show me success yeah. in in our <laughs> department right. of transportation? The job you've been doing, have you been good at it? And and I mean, would we say he's been good at it? Well, I, I just say I, I drive I twenty yeah. from the Texas state line mm -hmm. to you know Louisiana Downs, right? And and it'll rattle your fillings. And that's his baby. Yeah, no doubt about it. Coming up, uh, there's also legislation in front of the uh, front of the state for legalizing marijuana, and we spoke with Candace Newell, state rep out of New Orleans, and you'll hear what she has to say. She authored that legislation, and uh, that's coming up at 6:40 with Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. By the way, uh, happy Monday! How mm -hmm. was your weekend? It was. It Anything was good. Exciting. No, just just a lot of relaxing. I did a lot of pool work. Did a little bit of work in the gym. Not too much. I watched the Formula One race, which was nice. Congrats. Did you watch any of the like? Do you watch the practices no, and the qualifying? No. I watch all of that. Cannot do it. Oh, I watch too all much. of it. No. <laughs> too much. Because I'm a NASCAR fan. I'm an IndyCar fan. I can't watch all that stuff. Well, I, see, you know, there's I, too much. I, I just love the F1. Not, I, I've never, I watch never it watched all. NASCAR. I watch uh, it all. I, I used to watch IndyCar some. I was always always enjoyed mm -hmm. IndyCar because uh, they did street tracks also yes you know. exactly it was it was a good race it was you know yeah a couple of, couple of good moments a yeah red bull fan yes especially. exactly yeah definitely recreational marijuana you fur it you again it i you know what i honestly don't care yeah i i if you were to make me choose a sign well i don't know yeah polls I up at uh, keelnews.com if you want to take the poll 
Like 92% are for it. Is it still? Close to 90, yeah. yeah. I'm surprised. We spoke with a representative out of New Orleans who authored the legislation to legalize recreational marijuana, Candace Newell, and you'll hear that conversation next. Micah McCarty, 101.7 FM. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Uh, New Orleans State Representative Candace Newell joining us. Uh, Candace, good morning. Thank you for your time this morning. Good morning. We, uh, you're Thank pro- you for having me. Yes, ma'am. Uh, you've got proposition in front of uh, <laughs> uh, the legislature to legalize recreational marijuana. This has been attempted before. Uh, so tell us about your what, what makes you think this is going to be different and uh, more successful this time. Well, um, I believe this is my second or third time introducing this, so I'm not new to the process. Um, it's just the, the discussions that's been going around the state where we have citizens that are not opposed to the legalization of um, recreational marijuana, and it's going across the country. And it's, I believe it's going to happen soon on the federal level. I just would like to, Louisiana to be in the game, you know, before it's just common for everyone in the country. What does your bill actually do? Can you describe that for folks who are new, who are just joining us? Of what amounts would be legal? Would it be you can anyone can use it recreationally? Yes, um, the bill that I proposed there was um, no real limits, and um, still, you know, truck loads of it would not be legal. Something that you can just have at your home, but I didn't um, propose any um, restrictions on the amount of personal use. Now, how much revenue do you estimate it could generate for Louisiana? Because you've got you've also got a tax structure that goes with your bill, correct? It's a separate bill, um, um, so technically not with it, but it, I am introducing them all at the same time. Um, looking at several other states, they collect um, tens of millions of dollars in tax revenue on uh, on an annual basis. So I wouldn't see Louisiana collecting any less less than our other states, considering the amount of tourism that we have in the state. So I'm not looking at it just as the tax collection from the citizens, but from what we can get also from um, tourism. So, like I said, other states are collecting tens of millions annually, and that's what my hopes are for Louisiana as well. We're talking with Candace Newell, state representative out of New Orleans, uh, proposing legislation to legalize recreational marijuana. Uh, Candace, is there any indications? Have you talked to your colleagues? Have you gotten positive response that uh, that leads you to believe that you'll be, this is your second or third attempt to pass this, that uh, you're going to have better luck this time? Honestly, I'm just still on the fence listening to everyone personally. Most are not opposed. However, um, I always say we can vote for one another's bills, but we cannot vote for one another. So they still have to vote on the bill according to the wishes of the citizens that they represent. We still have some folks that are morally opposed to the legalization. Hopefully we can start just getting better conversations because my attempt is, because I know you saw the tax, um, you mentioned the tax bill that I also have. I also have a regulation bill, mm-hmm. and my my hopes is that whatever is legal is a clean product. 
and um, we've seen where there's products that's laced with fentanyl and has been um, deadly to adults and children. Um, we see where the products are not consistent with, within a brand. Um, the levels of T, um, the CBD content is different. I want to make sure that we have uh, have a product that's, like I said, regulated. We know what we're getting. If it's a pink pack, it's three milligrams. If it's a blue pack, you know it's five. And it's going to be the same thing um, each time you purchase. You, your bill mentions also, uh, up to 10 mm-hmm. cannabis production facility licenses. Uh, what, what The number 10, can you give me your reasoning for that? I just wanted a conservative number, um, something that the departments who are going to be doing the testing and and uh, regulation of it so that it doesn't overwhelm their departments at the beginning. Allow them to get in, do the work with the staff they have, and then as we are we're all learning the process, we're all learning the distributors and what we're looking for, then we can potentially grow that number and um, have the revenue for those departments to then hire more um testers and more agents to go out. So it was just also being considerate of the departments that are being tasked with the um, with the regulating. We've got a poll at keelnews.com right now that says, do you support recreational marijuana use in Louisiana? I sent it to your folks. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I am blown away by the response. 92 percent of the hundreds of people who have taken our poll in the last 24 hours, 92% support this. Does that number shock you? It does not, but I, what I need them to do is contact their, their state representatives and tell them to vote for my bill. <laughs> are you worried that your bill, because it's an election year, that there's not going to be too many lawmakers who are like, eh, I'm going to vote for marijuana and, and then run for re-election this fall? Does that concern you a tiny bit? Not if you said 92% of the people you have voted, um, polled or, uh, for it, I think that would be favorable for them. <laughs> FM, 710 Keel, Mike M. McCarty. Coming up, by the way, at 710, we'll talk with uh, Shreveport political analyst Scott Hughes uh, about Sean Wilson's bid for the governor's mansion coming up, Mm -hmm. uh, which is just broke this morning. Former DOTD secretary Sean Wilson announcing uh, that uh, he is running for governor. Yes, he is. He has not replied yet. I'm afraid that I've got a cell phone number that belongs to John Bell Edwards in the state, so he's got a new number that I don't You'd have You'd think yet, whoever so. had that phone would be would go, hey, he's not here anymore. Yeah, this is he, this is a state that, phone. If something. not, here's yeah. his new number. Right. They're, they're not going to give me his new number until he approves it, but he would approve it, so I'll find it. Uh, somebody has it. Shoot me uh, Sean Wilson's new 
cell phone number if you've got it. I didn't get it from you. You know my rule. I don't know you. You, I just the number just appears. <laughs> that's, right. that's my rule. <laughs> just shoot me the number so I can get him on the air because it's a uh, it's a big story. It's the first major Democrat in the race, yeah. and um, it's kind of a game changer. And the Republicans are going to really now have to kind of shore things up and decide who they are for. And, you know, I got an email saying, you know, are you just a Jeff Landry supporter? And I'm no, no, I'm not a nobody. I'm nobody supporter right now. I don't know. I don't know who the best candidate is. I want to see them all. I like Sharon Hewitt. You know, there are a lot of them I like. I like um, Sharon Hewitt. I like Richard Nelson. I like a lot of them. I'm, you know, I don't know who I support at this point. Um, we have a regular visit on the first Tuesday of every month with Jeff Landry, and we will have him on the air tomorrow. We'll obviously talk to him about Dr. Wilson and, you know, what the Republicans need to do, you know, to make sure that they win the governor's mansion back. Um, we have to be concerned. My big concern with the Democrats is when John Bell Edwards took office, please listen to me carefully, our state budget was $29 billion. Mm -hmm. Our state budget is now hovering over $45 billion, closing in on $50 billion. I mean, and we've lost population. Democrats! <laughs> so... I, you know, that just doesn't, in, in the grand scheme of things, to Republicans, to Democrats, to everybody, you should be warning yourself, why has government grown so much while our population is shrinking? It's just a simple math question. Seriously. I mean, really, and I know we've gotten a large influx of federal money, but that's not all federal money. You know, we've just ballooned state government out of control. and, and But we have, Aaron... But we've got so many things to show for it. I know. Great I roads. Know. Yes. Quality education. Our parks are stupendous. Police and all, you know, all funded. Yes, exactly. So it's all, it's all good. Oh, we've got all of our roads finished up here. We have a new Jimmy Davis bridge to drive over. The inner city connectors yeah, finished. What's the problem? State office building's been moved downtown. We're all done with everything good. I mean, I. We pay Please. the highest st what state tax per capita in the country, mm. and yet we have nothing to show for it. Yeah, that's sad. I it really sa is I sad. I am going to out and out say that. Mm, it's sad. Scott Hughes coming up just after the local news. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710. Seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty, and on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Shreveport political analyst Scott Hughes joining us. Scott, some big news uh, as far as the governor's race. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard by now. DOTD Secretary, former DOTD Secretary Sean Wilson, uh, has announced uh, that he's going to run for governor. Yeah, um, on the one hand, big news, because we have our first Democrat. It's not really a surprise. I think Sean Wilson was on your show last week and um, kind of was all but announcing last week he was going to run. So now it's official. Well, Aaron and I were talking earlier this morning. Does does Sean have statewide name recognition to make him uh, a major player in the race? Well, I, I think that he does. I mean, obviously, I've heard some reports. Yes, he's going to have to work on name recognition. 
But the key to Sean Wilson is he may be the most significant Democratic, black Democratic candidate to run in 20 years. I think you have to go back to Cleo Fields or William Jefferson, both congressmen who ran. They both ran against Mike Foster, Murphy Foster, Cleo Fields the first time, and then Jefferson and Foster's re-election bid. That's the last time we probably had a black candidate this significant um, going to run for election. Um, I think his real key is not so much name recognition. He has time to do that. It, is he going to be the only Democratic candidate? If he's the only Democratic candidate, his entry becomes very interesting. Well, now there's another Democrat. Is Danny Cole? He's. I don't know that he'd be considered a major Democrat. Am, am I? Am I wrong on that? No, I think you're 100 right. I think Mr. Cole, if I remember correctly, he's a teacher who's announced and. He's done a few media interviews between classes. He's not a major candidate. You, you, we actually, and, and, and you and Aaron know the ballots, we actually often get upwards of a dozen or 15 people technically running for governor or for U.S. senator or whatever the big elected position is. But, but unless we have someone with, with significant fundraising, significant backing of the party, right now that's only Mr. Wilson, as opposed to the Republican side where we have at least four or five what we would call major challengers right now led by Attorney General Jeff Landry, but there's three or four others who are significant candidates who will raise money, have recognition, and effectively challenge Mr. Landry for the other half of the ballot. The big question here is, Sean Wilson's not a politician. He's never run for office before that I can recall. Uh, what, he, what's he's, he... run, he's run one time. Okay. He, he, ran for, he ran for Lafayette City Council in 07. And he lost that race. But okay. No, he, How's he going to do fundraising? How's he going to do for fundraising? I mean, that's going to. I guess John Bell Edwards is going to help him. I would assume. You know, I, I think John Bell Edwards and the Democratic Party is going to help him. I mean, one thing about this is, you know, he he is he is. On the one hand, he's unknown as a politician. On the other hand, he's well known by both sides of the aisle for the last two decades. He served under four governors, including two Republican governors. Um, within, within the department, he worked for Bobby Jindal, um, Transportation Secretary. So he has been around. And I think the real key is as long as he remains the only significant Democratic challenger, he doesn't need to raise that much money. The best uh, for locals, the best race I can, I can equate this to would be a number of years ago when Mike Johnson won our U.S. Congress seat. Marshall Jones was the attorney that ran on the Democratic side, and he pretty much, being the only Democrat, had a walk into the finals. And I think Wilson you know, pretty much has a clean path through the first round. So he can he can spend his time getting name recognition, raising funds. The question is what will happen in the second round and who he will be against. Because given a state where we traditionally see 30% of the voter, voters will be African-American Democrats, he would probably get a lot of those based on historical voting patterns. The real key is that he attract 25 30% crossover white vote, crossover Republican vote. And that's going to depend on who his opponent might be in the finals. Okay, let me ask you this, because, you know, if, if you run for office, Scott, or if I run for office, people are going to look at what have I been doing for 20 years and have I been good at it? People would say, you know, you've been head of our state roads and bridges and they suck. You've been bad at what you've been hired to do. He's got to run against well, that too, huh? That is, I think he's, rather than... The specifics, if you look at what he's done, you're probably going to find out that he has done rather well, personally, in the years he's been in charge. Um, now, if you want to tag the entire Department of Transportation on him, which he did not add, except for the last you know, seven, eight years, yes, I think that's going to be an albatross. 
if you want to tag the administrations around him or Louisiana's history. And I think that's where a Jeff Landry, a Sharon Hewitt, that's where some of the people on the other side are going to go. They're going to hang, and we've done that to every administration. We've hung the entire history of Louisiana on everyone that came before them. So specifically, I think, Sean Wilson, you're going to find out he moved projects. He's done some improvements. But, no, if you want to hang Louisiana roads around him as his one thing, then I think that's going to be a harder harder task for him to overcome. But I think as a specific manager of what he's done, the larger problem you might have specifically with Sean Wilson, if I remember correctly, a couple of years ago he really pushed for that gas tax. Mm-hmm. And that created a little upstir with the legislature. And a lot of folks said, oh, we wanted more taxes. He was just trying to fund the roads to get them improved. And so he's going to have all those challenges. But the biggest challenge comes down to who his opponent will be on the right. And that's why he's in the race, because structurally he can walk through the primary and he can get to the runoff. And now the big question is going to be how far right do the Republicans go, i.e., how many voters will they push back, how many moderates will, will back off their candidate on the right and consider an African-American, consider a Democrat, consider a moderate. Scott, we've got several candidates uh, on the Republican side that have already announced. Jeff Landry, of course, the uh, Attorney General, considered the front-runner. State Treasurer John Schroeder, Sharon Hewitt, a senator, and uh, Richard Nelson, Zan John, uh, Hunter. uh, There are several. Do you consider... uh, Landry as the as the front runner. Are there others that are going to be you know, um, Kyle? I'm I'm just showing up. Yeah, thank you. Showing up and and do you see anybody else coming into the race? At this point, no. I think the last major candidate we're we're looking at is Garrett Graves, the U.S. congressman out of the Baton Rouge area. Um, I think Jeremy Alford reported last week that Graves and um, and Landry had a meeting. And so we don't know what the result of that meeting is, but Graves has not announced yet he's running for governor. So I think that Landry understands that the, that, that his lane's getting a little crowded out there on the right side. And so he's tried to do some damage control. He, Landry is already the endorsed candidate, official endorsed candidate of the Republican Party. That's a little interesting and early. That's caused some stirs. But yeah, I think Landry is, is, is the front runner. But to the, the, we always talk about math in the morning on the radio. This is just math. And mm-hmm. so you look at the primary and you go, okay, Wilson's probably got at least a third, 30%, maybe 35%. So he's in. I mean, unless he gets another major African-American candidate, he's in. Despite the fact of his name recognition, he doesn't have to spend as much as the others to get over the first hurdle. Right. Landry's out here in the right lane fighting all those people. Landry probably has the most votes. He may come in second in this, in this primary race. Real quick, Scott, do you see the Republicans pulling together and uh, doing something they didn't do in the last two elections and supporting one candidate and trying to win this? I see them trying to win it, Mike. I don't see them pulling together. I mean, if they pulled together, you wouldn't have at least Schroeder and Hewitt. Those are the two major opponents, I think, right now to Landry. And what they're they're all attempting to do is to box Jeff to the far right. You're not going to run farther right than Landry. And they're, they're going to peel votes off of Landry. And so that's where your real battle is. Which one of those three, maybe four or five, we'll see who gets in, can come in second. And then that person would like their chances against um, Tom Wilson. What Wilson's going to get is historical voting. To, to, win the, to win the governor's race as an African-American Democrat, he's going to have to get almost all of the black Democratic vote, 90 95% of that vote, which is typically about 30% of the voters. And he's going to have to get 25 30% crossover white vote. And that's going to depend on who the Republican candidate is. If it's Landry, 
right? The Republicans may lose some of that vote. If it's one of the more moderate, although few, it's not that moderate. But if it's one of the more moderate, then maybe they hold that vote. But you've you got to go back 20 years until we saw this race. You go back to the Jefferson-Mike Foster race, and it didn't work out well for the black Democratic candidate. Landry on with us tomorrow. Richard Nelson is coming up at 810. He's got a really interesting education bill, but we're going to also talk to him about Sean Wilson. Scott Hughes, thanks for your time. Thank you all. It should be an interesting race this fall. You bet. 101.7 FM. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty, and the numbers continue to go up on the number of homicides mm-hmm. in Shreveport. We had another one last night. Yeah. Um, outside a, a local business, it didn't happen inside the business. They were uh, just hanging out in the parking lot of this skating rink after it mm-hmm. had closed. Yeah, Burke Coons. I think it had been closed three hours. Yeah. So I guess they were hanging out, or they were meeting up there. Some one report says they were meeting up there to fight. Um, you know, I don't know the, the details, but Mike, there's a 19-year-old woman dead today. 19. But Aaron, this is this is one of those things where this is you're not going to prevent this. There's no, no amount of legislation. Mm-hmm. There, there's no amount of of you know laws to, that you're going to prevent an incident like this. No. When 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 you and I were coming up. If you got in a fight with somebody, it, at least in my case, you know, you got in a fight in high school or whatever, mm-hmm. you you fought. Right. You, you, you duke it you out. Threw and fists, mm-hmm. and then it was over. Right. Then you went Never and played once ball. Did you consider, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill, I'm going to get a gun and kill you. No. They're, they're, or a, a knife or, no, I, 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 I yeah. I mean, there were no guns in my house growing. I mean, they just weren't there. And, and I think that's changed. That's a big thing that's changed. There it's, were rifles and shotguns in my house. We had no guns in my house. None of my friends even had guns in their homes. Unless their, their father was a hunter or something right. like that. That's what I mean. But that, yeah, yeah that, to, have, to have a handgun in a house, it, it didn't exist. Well, and we've said this before, you know. I'm not blaming the guns. Don't get me wrong. No, not at all. Because, you know, in the 70s, we had gun racks in our cars in the parking lot at school. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, unlocked trucks, you had 3030s hanging in the window. Mm-hmm. It never once occurred to us. And so the the thinking has changed. Yes. That's, and, and that's where you have to go, what's caused this this you know change in our thinking to where we're gonna that's that's the resolution to the problem is to open fire on somebody is to just kill just to kill them they these were this was a group of women apparently that gotten into a little kerfuffle and uh at last report i don't know that police have issued the full report but uh someone walked up to to one of the women that was involved in the altercation and shot her and she's pronounced dead at the scene. Now, I know the, the skating rink's going to have surveillance cameras on the building. That police will be able to pull up that footage and try to find out what happened, what sparked this shooting, what, you know, how many people were out there, um, and what went down. I just, to be the family of that woman today, 
I, 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 there are no words for me. I really am at a loss. What, I'm at a loss. What what number are we at at the homicide? It's number right now? sixteen, I believe. 16. Yeah, for the year. We're on record setting pace. Yeah, and it's sad, and we have to figure out, you know, what can we do to at least address it. And and like the police chief and the mayor have said, most of these are folks who know each other, and things escalate, and somebody decides shooting is an answer. Uh, State Representative Richard Nelson, uh, candidate for Louisiana governor, going to join us after the 8 o'clock news. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. I just Aaron, I was looking at this story, just changing gears. Trina Edwards for uh, Governor Edward Edwin Edwards mm-hmm. uh, w- widow. Yes. Uh has announced now she's marrying legislative leader John Alario. Alario, yeah. Mm-hmm. One of Edwin Edwards' best friends. What is he? He's like 107? He's up there. Yeah, he's up there. He's up there. She's, yeah, she she's, likes the old b- she's politicians. She's got a type, doesn't she? She does have a type, <laughs> absolutely. Just, <sighs> uh, coming up next, Sean Wilson, former DOTD secretary and now gubernatorial candidate for Louisiana, going to join us on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline next. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM. One seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. This song, by the way, was the same song <laughs> on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Gubernatorial candidate Sean Wilson joining us. Sean, good morning, sir. Good morning. Good morning. How y'all doing? Well, this is a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Friday we caught you in Atlanta in the airport. I guess job hunting, but not not really job hunting. You were just uh, you had a business meeting was- to attend. I was finishing strong. I started off uh, in this organization being a national leader, and we had our national meeting in Washington, D.C., and I was headed home from doing that. It was a wonderful uh, way to end the career of uh, being secretary for the Department of Transportation and Development. And you turned on Sean Wilson for Louisiana on Facebook, Twitter, all that this morning? Is that accurate? You, You got it. So I actually had one day of retirement. Uh, it was the shortest-lived retirement, and I uh, look forward to spending the next several months with my wife and, and other supporters traveling across the Louisiana uh, highways and byways, uh, campaigning to be the next governor. Okay, you'll be the, the first prominent Democrat in the race. Um, a lot of folks are saying you don't have statewide name recognition. Is that your primary goal now? Get out there, meet people, uh, kiss babies, and all that. Well, look, anytime you're in a campaign, you have to be known. But I think my record speaks for itself. Um, I think you look at the accomplishments of what we've been able to achieve over the last seven years, but really over a 25-year career, having worked before governors. I worked for Governor Foster, Governor Blanco, Governor Jindal, and now Governor Edwards at the highest level of government. And uh, we've made some tremendous strides. And I think people are okay with name recognition, but they want leadership. They want service. They want impact. And that's what we've been able to provide. And that's what we'll do. And part of that process is traveling the state, uh, meeting people, talking to them uh, for issues and issues beyond just transportation. And so 
giving people an opportunity to get to know who I am and the uh, type of governor uh, I would be. And it's going to be very similar to the type of secretary that I've been. We're talking with Sean Wilson, governor for uh, candidate for governor for the state of Louisiana. I like that, I like that Freudian <laughs> clip, by the way. <laughs> Uh, Sean, you, you mentioned some of the issues. What are, what are some of the first things that uh, you would focus on day one were you to take control of the state of Louisiana? Well, look, I, I've got, uh, as, a, as a husband, father, and, and grandfather of two kids, I know the future that I want for them and their future that they're going to experience is largely going to be uh, around who's going to be the next leader. And I think when you look at all of the challenges that we've got, across the state and we will always have our share of challenges whether it's dealing with education whether it's dealing with the environment whether it's dealing with the financial stability of the state and growing the economy and making things work for the citizens of louisiana um, i think the common factor is going to be how you deliver those services and how do you work with people and a big part of what i've done for the last 25 years is bridge the divide recognizing that the governor does not unilaterally make decisions uh, but he does administer or she does administer state government. And I would do that in a way that actually brings people together and not necessarily leave large segments of our society out. Things like protecting the most vulnerable, things like ensuring that we have health care, and, of course, that we continue this unprecedented investment in infrastructure. So you have issues all across the state of Louisiana that are varied that we will need to address and the leadership that I bring, I think, is the best thing that we can do because I don't have all the answers, but I have the best approach and I have the best experience to be able to do that. Okay, Sean, I know you have your big boy britches on. You have told us over and over again we need to increase our gas tax. It's been too many years. How do you feel about that today as a candidate for governor? Do you propose an increase in our gas tax or any other tax increases? So what I will tell you, Aaron, in, in 17, I did advocate for the gas tax because we had 30-plus years of disinvestment, and people wondered why the roads were bad. The legislature and the governor signed a bill for the vehicle sales tax, and I told you then that we need to take those dollars and live within our means and make the best case of it. And so you're not going to see me on the campaign trail advocating for a gas tax. Will I advocate for further investments in infrastructure? Absolutely, because I know the $150 million that the legislature gave us two years ago that actually starts coming to us next year and the 150 after that, that's important, but that's not enough. And so whether it's appropriating state dollars that we have today, general fund dollars, whether it's appropriating other one-time money to infrastructure, those are the types of investments. So I did talk about that in 17. We were successful at finding new investment, and I told you then that I was not going to be advocating for new gas taxes. And with regards to other taxes, I think it's important to understand what is it that they're paying for. If people are up in arms because we have babies dying from fentanyl overdoses and we don't do anything about it, shame on us. If we're having crime issues across this state and we don't have resources to fight crime, shame on us. And so before we start talking about raising taxes and cutting taxes, let's talk about what those taxes are going to do for us and if what they're doing offers value. And so that's my perspective. Again, do do away with the income here. tax? There, there's a push now to do away with the Louisiana income tax. How does well, well, candidate Sean Wilson feel? There's one candidate that, that is advocating that. I don't think that is a solution because with that candidate, what you're not going to hear is what's not going to get done when you do away with it. We've had too many build-it-they-will-come type of tax policies, and that is not going to bid well for us because when it doesn't come, 
we're left holding a bag of needs that our citizens have, and we can't meet those needs when you've given away all of the resources that they demand that we provide resources for. So I don't think giving away uh, and doing away with income tax, because no one is going to give you a really solid proposal of how you're going to replenish those dollars. You're not going to want to take tax dollars from property taxes that locals get. You're not going to want to increase sales taxes. So how are you going to pay for those things that you're going to be doing away with on income tax, and how do you know that it's going to work? Go back and look at what happened with the Stelly plan. When you repeal that, there was a big sucking sound in our budget. Mm-hmm. Things that matter. Speaking of the like budget, Sean, uh, like uh, Dr. Wilson, I'm sorry. Speaking of the budget, when John Bell Edwards took over, our state budget was $29 billion. We're now topping the $45 billion mark at a time when people are leaving our state. I just can't wrap my brain around the size of government keeps getting bigger even though people are leaving. How do we address that? I mean, do you do you look at ways to shrink government? We have fewer residents to serve. Well, I can look at the last seven years of how I've led the department, where we have not grown our organization, but we've increased revenue. Discretionary funding that we've been able to bring in, surplus money that we've been able to bring in, refinancing of dollars that we've been able to bring in, and that has worked for us to be able to deliver more value. And look, there's a lot of work to be done here in the state of Louisiana. And when you look at some of the resources that we get, people talk about the budget, but they don't ever get into the details of where the money's coming from, what's it doing, and what limitations I have with it. And so it's not as easy as just saying the budget is growing, the budget is growing. Look at what we've done. Look at the disaster response that we've had. And look at the expenditures and the responsibilities of government before you say that this budget is bloated, because this budget that is voted on by the entire legislature not just the governor, the entire legislature votes on the budget to appropriate dollars to spend here in the state of Louisiana. And that appropriation is what makes up our budget. So you can't put your hand in a cookie jar and say you didn't do it when you're a part of the process to establish the budget. And so have an adult conversation about how you allocate dollars, how you spend dollars. And if you don't want to do it, be man or woman enough to say, I'm not paying for your health care. I'm not paying for your education. I'm not paying for your roads. Because that is the alternative, and I think that is what is unacceptable. Now, uh, you talked about the state budget. What about, you know, the reports that uh, Louisiana, one of the highest taxed state in the union, and yet, you know, they're... Where we're ranked low in education, we're ranked low in road quality. There's seemingly nothing to show for the highest taxes in the country. Uh, how would you address again, that, and what do you again, have to say to that? Sure. I will tell you, half of our sales tax is locally driven, and it's locally obligated, and it's locally spent. And so you're assuming that that is 100% paying for those expenditures, and they aren't. And so that is a challenge, I think, that you have to look at. And so I think you, when you look at the sales tax and you do an apples-to-apples comparison, we're not as extreme as people say we are. Dr. Wilson, another issue that's a hot-button issue in Louisiana on abortion, are you pro-choice? I, my wife and I have made a very conscious decision in our lives that we are uh, pro-life with exception, uh, and that's the life of the mother, rape and incest, as a father of uh, a daughter and as the father of grandfather of a young lady. Uh, I would not want them to have to live with that burden. Uh, they have a right to make the right decisions uh, for themselves, but for me and the things that I believe in, uh, and I think the way I would govern would be supporting a pro-life with exception. And again, this is not a unilateral decision 
that the governor alone makes. Uh, this is a collaborative decision on behalf of the state of Louisiana. And for me, I am personally pro-life with exception. So you're okay with the law as it exists in Louisiana now, where essentially abortions are illegal? Well, but I don't think a woman has a right to choose whether or not she should carry a baby that she's been impregnated with when she was raped, or if a baby is going to have tremendous uh, medical challenges without the resources to be able to healthily and wealthily support that, that, that infant. And so I think we need to have some exception for conditions where the life of the mother is threatened and where the mother uh, has either been raped or a case of incest. That's a large burden to put on someone. And I just don't think that our laws today, the way the bill has passed and was signed, uh, provides for those exceptions. And I, I would love to see the legislature uh, take that step. And I think that's where the vast majority of our citizens would be. Dr. Sean Wilson, candidate for governor for the state of Louisiana. Sir, we thank you for your time and uh, best of luck to you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. 101.7 FM, 710 Keyest. Shopping in ovens, I like you, I do I hit you in a leg, can you fit me in your plans, I like you I'm doing my T-Rex dancing 7FM, <laughs> 710 Key Aaron, get off the table Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm so glad we're not have cameras on yeah, This song was a song that was uh, Alright, alright 101.7 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty And, and Ruben we are in the presence of greatness. Whatever. It's it. it you know. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> it's it is pretty amazing. I do think that was Doctor Wilson's first interview since his announcement. He announces a major Democrat candidate announces a run for governor, and Aaron sends him a you up yet <laughs> text. <laughs> well, he didn't answer my text, so you I just up? called. called and I, I called. I said, what, what's the worst he could do? He could hit the the button. What, we, what do we call that button? It's, it's that the, button. The, the go away button. Yeah. The go away button, right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He didn't hit the go away button. He answered. And I'm like, this was 730. I said, can you squeeze us in? I'm thinking he's swamped this morning. You know, he's running for governor. Big announcement. He goes, absolutely. Wow. Okay. That's sweet. So, Scoop. Yeah, major yeah. scoop. Yeah, he's going to be a pretty good candidate. I, you know, I, he's very likable. Um, this big budget though just drives me crazy. Yeah, this just well, whopper of a budget. It, you know, somebody's got to say, somebody's got to stand up and say, we got to stop it. We got to start. Well, it's trimming. not going to be a Democrat. No, it won't. And and I don't know who it'll be. And I, and he's made a he made a valid point. That's not his budget. That, that the legislature has to approve that budget. Richard Nelson, the uh, a Republican candidate for governor, who is by the way pro uh, proposing to uh, eliminate the state income tax, will join us coming up after the local news just after eight. Micah McCarty, one hundred one seven FM seven. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline with us this morning, gubernatorial candidate for uh, Louisiana governorship, Richard Nelson, Republican candidate. Richard, good morning, sir. 
Good morning. Thank you for uh, joining us. Big news off the uh, Democrat side. Uh, DOTD secretary, former DOT, I do that every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Wilson, former DOTD, yeah. former DOTD secretary, announced his candidacy for governorship. Uh, does this change um, your your uh, campaign in any way? And do you see him as a formidable opponent? Uh, well, so I, you know, my campaign has been. Uh, basically against the status quo. Uh, obviously, I'm 36, I'm kind of a, a younger generation than Sean Wilson and all the rest of the people in the race, so him jumping in really doesn't change anything for me. I mean, really, I'm trying to fight to make Louisiana better, and especially better for the next 40 years, not the next four years. Uh, so I kind of have a different perspective, I think, than the other candidates, and he's really kind of in the same group. I mean, he may be a Democrat. That, that matters to some extent, maybe, on some of his policy issues, but I think in the devotion to getting rid of the status quo in Louisiana, uh, I think that that's the same thing I'm fighting for. I mean, I say all the time, Louisiana was just average. We'd all live four years longer and get a 33% raise, and you're not going to get there without some big changes. Is he a tax and spend Democrat, really? Uh, you know, I don't think anybody really knows. I mean, I guess he'll maybe he has some policy positions out now. I mean, he's been a, a you know a, a, a bureaucrat for 25 years. I mean, I think that's uh that's a tough position to come into and say, hey, we're going to change how things are done. Does he, does he have the, the problem of fundraising and getting in a political race, a big statewide race? Is he facing an uphill battle with regard to that? I mean, I think in, in a state like Louisiana, I think it's difficult for a, for a Democrat to get elected in statewide office. I think that's why we really don't have any besides John Bell. And John Bell has obviously a, a kind of um, you know, unicorn background and history and, you know, his opponents were in a position where he could get elected. And I, I don't know that that's going to be something that gets replicated this year. I don't I don't know if Sean Wilson can kind of put that magic in a bottle to kind of have everything go right. But, you know, I welcome to the race. I, I, I hope it, the race is about ideas and how to move the state forward. And that's what I'm focused on. We're talking with Richard Nelson, a candidate for governor. Richard, let's talk a little bit about Richard Nelson. You've got a, a proposal now in front of uh, the legislature that says if you don't pass basic fundamentals, you won't move, progress into the fourth grade. Is that correct? Am I, am I getting that right? Yeah. So basically, if you can't if you can't read above a minimum level, then you'd get held back and given extra training and tutoring and a highly effective teacher. It has some of these interventions to actually get you to the level you need to be to read before you get passed on. And I, I think most people feel like this is a common sense idea. I mean, right? that's you the know, way it was when, when we were in school. If you didn't pass your tests, you didn't move into the second grade or fifth grade or whatever it was. Yeah, I think it's a, you're, you're getting at the, the, you know, the crux of the issue is this kind of idea of social promotion, right? Like, we don't want to hold anybody back. We want to pass everybody forward. Um, and I think when you look at states that have been very successful in moving uh, in improving their education system, uh, Mississippi is right next door to us. This is really a bill that was kind of copied off of them. So in 2013, they passed this same measure. And as a result, they've gone from 49th of the country in fourth grade reading to 21st. And so, and so we were right above them at 48th back in 2013 when they passed the bill. Now we're at 41st, and at, they've just been, you know, completely lapped us they're they're out of sight and it's really a, a big driver of it is this kind of proceed or this kind of policy so i brought it last year uh, and died in the senate actually in the state senate and by two votes 
And so I'm bringing it again this year, and hopefully we can get it across the across the line and really make a difference for the kids in Louisiana. D- does this impact? I mean, I know there are some exceptions. You know, can you can you kind of outline that because there may be some educators listening, or they, they will listen, that are like, does every kid have to meet certain requirements? Yeah. So there's a few exceptions in the in the bill. They're pretty narrow, but. Um, so, for, for example, um, kids with an IEP, they have some kind of disability or um, issue, so they will have an exception. Um, if your kid is not, if English is not their first language, then they will also get an exception so they can be promoted onward uh, because it's probably not their reading ability that's holding them back in that situation, right? Uh, and then also, is if, if the kids have been held back uh, twice before, if, between from kindergarten to third grade, then they'll be able to be promoted too, so you won't hold them back for years and years. Um, it's just going to be that to at least two times they could be held back for this purpose. So there are a few exceptions in there, but they're relatively narrow. And when you look at states that have done been really successful, like Mississippi, you have to keep those narrow, or what happens is everybody just gets shoveled through, right? Like you can have the best policy and then say, hey, everybody's an exception, and they all get passed through, so it really doesn't mean anything. And that's kind of the goal in, in making it broad but um, targeted to actually improve students' learning. And now, does this only affect third graders going into the fourth grade, or is this all students? It's only so it, it acts as kind of a gate, right? So, really, you start to learn you start to learn to read in kindergarten, or even before kindergarten. And so, really, it puts everybody in the process of, hey, look, there's this point in third grade where you're going to have to be tested, or you're going to be evaluated, and if you can't, you know, if you can't read the minimum level, then you're going to be held back. So, really, every every grade before that. They're all working toward that point that at the end of third grade, you're going to need uh, you're going to need to meet that minimum level. But it's not just the third grade teacher's responsibility; it's everyone before that to get them to that point where in third grade they will pass. And we passed a bill list, um, this last year where they're basically going to do a, an evaluation uh, three times a year on the student's reading ability up till third grade. And so you're going to have a clear picture this whole time of where your kid is and where are they going to be and what do they need to do in order to meet that minimum requirement so it's not just going to sneak up on anybody because you're going to have years basically of these you know reading and literacy assessments to make sure that they're going on the pace where they need to and then the schools will have the opportunity to you know do those interventions before they ever get held back does superintendent k brumley support the plan have you talked to him about it uh i think so they um bessie tried to do something similar after the bill failed in the senate they tried to make you know some kind of uh like a summer school option for kids who can't read and uh sufficiently and so he's, he's kind of done some things like that to try and, I think, maybe band-aid the problem before. Um, before I think you have to ask him specifically if he, if he publicly uh, supports it. But I, I think that the concept of it is definitely something that Bessie has, has expressed support on in the past. And those ideas have come before them, too. So I think that it's, um, you know, when you're really looking at things that really improve outcomes, like I said, Mississippi has done really well. Florida did it in 2003. They've done really well. And these are states that have similar challenges to us, you know, as far as poverty and education and stuff like that. So I think that it's something that really, as an education system, Louisiana can get behind. Your name came up with uh, Dr. Sean Wilson just a few moments ago when he spoke with us. Well, you're, you're not quite your name. He said another candidate. Another candidate is proposing doing away with the income tax. And they, uh-huh. they need to come up with a way of uh, replacing that money before we can just have a vacuum sucking that money away. How do you answer that? Uh, I would tell Dr. Wilson that he should read the you know 60-page bill I filed in 2021 that outlined all the ways to make up the revenue. And then also I'm going to file it again this year, a version, an updated version of that. Uh, we've had 
hundreds of hours of committee, 100 hours of committee meetings studying getting rid of the income tax. Um, all of that stuff is public record. So we've talked about those things pretty extensively. I mean, basically, you have to look at states that don't have an income tax, like Texas, Florida, Tennessee. All of them have some different mix, basically, of using property taxes and sales taxes to make up that difference. And that's what we have to do here is, you know, the, the best mix that we can do um, for Louisiana. What it, like I said, all states do this every day. Like Texas does this every day. It's not rocket science. And so it's going to be some mixture of property and sales taxes that makes up that law. Republican candidate for governor, Richard Nelson. Sir, thanks for your time and best of luck to you. Yeah, no problem. Thank thanks. you very much. 101.7 FM. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. I was just sitting here thinking, listening to Richard Nelson. Uh, what's he? Thirty six, thirty seven years old. Mm-hmm. God, he's a state representative, uh, candidate for governor. Sharp, sharp young man. Yeah. Um, I really like what he was saying, mm-hmm. and it, and it got me to thinking. You know, in the during the mayor's race, there were you know several candidates at one point. And people were like, well, I'm going to vote for candidate X because candidate Y doesn't have a chance. So I'm just going to. What if everybody thinks that? Right. Of course, candidate Y doesn't have a chance. Exactly. You find the best candidate that you like. If somebody aligns with what you want Mm -hmm. and and is going to represent you. Uh, either in, in the mayor's office, in the governor's office, uh, state rep, whatever the office is, support that candidate. Right. Vote exactly. for that. You're not throwing your vote away. If nothing else, you are making a statement. This is what we want. Right. Uh, candidate, why? You know, he didn't win, but he got, uh, you know, 30% of the vote. People obviously are thinking that way yes so that's yes. you know I, I like i like what he had to say i, I like uh, sharon hewitt she's going to join us tomorrow at eight forty. so we will talk with another candidate for governor tomorrow morning so we're, and, and jeff landry's joining us tomorrow morning as well so he, landry at eight ten, sharon hewitt at eight forty. a busy morning tomorrow we got a lot on tap yeah so. the uh, commission of insurance also going to join us in studio uh jim donnellan and uh, is he is he running? He's running again, right? Is, or is he? I think that's he not is, a term limited. I position, think he is, is running it? for insurance commissioner. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to join us, I believe, in studio. Uh, Cedric Glover is going to join us tomorrow. We're going to be talking about the move of the state office building to downtown Shreveport. So that's a big deal for our community. Changes the face of downtown forever. I mean, you're going to have a massive office building with hundreds and hundreds of workers down there. A big, big, big game changer. Which is coming from Jordan and Fairfield. Mm-hmm, yes. Now, are there plans for that that old building? I mean, that's an historic building. They're gonna. They're going to find a. They're. They're not going to tear it down. They're going to find a way to preserve it and hopefully find a use for it. That'll be part of our convo with uh, Representative Glover tomorrow too. Okay. It's a big day tomorrow, definitely. Wow! Look at you. Mm-hmm. T Rex. <laughs> Stop calling me. All my friends are calling me T-Rex because when I get in the pool, I have to exercise looking like a little T-Rex because of my arm. But you take you take your brace off before you get in the pool, obviously. Yeah, I take the sling off. But you still can't move your arm. I have to keep the arm down and keep it little bitty like a T-Rex. How long do you have to have that brace? Uh, 
four more weeks, I think. Oh, my gosh. I know, it's, Another it's month. Yeah, it's annoying. It really is annoying. Oh. I'm sorry, but the that, that little red ball you have on there. <laughs> that is just funny looking. I have looking. to use it to keep do your arm muscles. Do you use it, though? I do, Because yeah. I haven't seen you take it out of the little, I do. little holder that I it's I use done. it while I'm laying around the house, and I have to make my little circles with my arm, too, my little T-Rex arms. But <laughs> stop it. Call me a T-Rex. 1017 <laughs> FM, 710 101.7 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Real quick, I, I don't know if you've heard or not, um, but uh, I'm going to be hosting, due to the cancellation of their first choice, <laughs> and their second and third, uh, and their fourth was out of town. I think their sixth one yeah. uh, stubbed their toe. But, <laughs> no, no, that's not so, true. Uh, down at Festival Plaza this Saturday, Gumbo, Battle of the Gumbo Gladiators. Love that event. Oh, my gosh. So good. Yes. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'll be doing uh, emceeing there. I think it gets underway at noon. I think they're still looking for teams. If you're if you're interested in uh, joining up, you can look them up and look up their Facebook page. But it's the nice thing is it's a huge fundraiser for uh, um, the um, and I just volunteers compared, for youth. No, justice. It, no, it's volunteers for youth justice. Oh, that's who it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> and. Um, and they 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 also the volunteers for youth justice also supports the uh, casa program mm-hmm. uh which my wife and i went through and we did that for a while uh so they do a lot of really good work and so this is a great way uh that you can support a lot of work that volunteers for youth justice does but also goes in great gumbo too oh tons of it tons yeah. of it Tomorrow is just going to be phenomenal as yeah. far as our program tomorrow. Don't miss it. Coming up next, we did speak with Scott Hughes earlier this morning about uh, Sean Wilson announcing his run for governor. He's the first major uh, Democrat in the race, and we'll hear from Scott next. Micah McCarty, 1017F. <laughs> FM 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. And on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Shreveport political analyst Scott Hughes joining us. Scott, some big news uh, as far as the governor's race. I'm sure you've heard by now, DOTD Secretary, former DOTD Secretary Sean Wilson uh, has announced uh, that he's going to run for governor. Yeah, um, on the one hand, big news because we have our first Democrat. It's not really a surprise. I think Sean Wilson was on your show last week and um, kind of was all but announcing last week he was going to run. So now it's official. What Aaron and I were talking earlier this morning, does does Sean have statewide name recognition to make him uh, a major player in the race? Well, I, I think that he does. I mean, obviously, I've heard some reports. Yes, he's going to have to work on name recognition. But the key to Sean Wilson is he may be the most significant Democratic, black Democratic candidate to run in 20 years. I think you have to go back to Cleo Fields or William Jefferson, both congressmen who ran. They both ran against Mike Foster, Murphy Foster, Cleo Fields the first time, and then Jefferson and Foster's reelection bid. That's the last time we probably had a black candidate this significant. Um, going to run for election. 
Um, I think his rookie is not so much name recognition. He has time to do that. It, is he going to be the only Democratic candidate? If he's the only Democratic candidate, his entry becomes very interesting. Well, now there's another Democrat. Is Danny Cole? He's. I don't know that he'd be considered a major Democrat. Am, am I? Am I wrong on that? No, I think you're 100 right. I think Mr. Cole, if I remember correctly, he's a teacher who's announced and. He's done a few media interviews between classes. He's not a major candidate. You, you, we actually, and, and, and you and Aaron know the balance, we actually often get upwards of a dozen or 15 people technically running for governor or for U.S. senator or whatever the big elected position is. But, but unless we have someone with, with significant fundraising, significant backing of the party, right now that's only Mr. Wilson, as opposed to the Republican side where we have at least four or five, what we would call major challengers right now, led by Attorney General Jeff Landry. But there's three or four others who are significant candidates who will raise money, have recognition, and effectively challenge Mr. Landry for the other half of the ballot. The big question here is, Sean Wilson's not a politician. He's never run for office before that I can recall. Uh, what, he, what's he's, he... run, he's run one time. Okay. He, he, ran for, he ran for Lafayette City Council in 07. And he lost that race. So, okay. No, he, How's he going to do fundraising? How's he going to do for fundraising? I mean, that's going to. I guess John Bell Edwards is going to help him. I would assume. You know, I, I think John Bell Edwards and the Democratic Party is going to help him. I mean, one thing about this is, you know, he he is he is. On the one hand, he's unknown as a politician. On the other hand, he's well known by both sides of the aisle for the last two decades. He served under four governors, including two Republican governors. Um, within within the department, he worked the body Jindal, um, transportation secretary. So he has been around. And I think the real key is as long as he remains the only significant Democratic challenger, he doesn't need to raise that much money. The best uh, for locals, the best race I can I can equate this to would be a number of years ago when Mike Johnson won our U.S. Congress seat. Marshall Jones was the attorney that ran on the Democratic side, and he pretty much, even the only Democrat, had a walk into the finals. And I think Wilson you know, pretty much has a clean path through the first round. So he can he can spend his time getting name recognition, raising funds. The question is what will happen in the second round and who he will be against. Because given a state where we traditionally see 30% of the voter, voters will be African-American Democrats, he would probably get a lot of those based on historical voting patterns. The real key is that he attract 25 30% crossover white vote, crossover Republican vote. And that's going to depend on who his opponent might be in the final. Okay, let me ask you this, because, you know, if, if you run for office, Scott, or if I run for office, people are going to look at what have I been doing for 20 years and have I been good at it? People would say, you know, you've been head of our state roads and bridges and they suck. You've been bad at what you've been hired to do. He's got to run against well, that too, huh? That is, I think he's, rather than... The specifics, if you look at what he's done, you're probably going to find out that he has done rather well, personally, in the years he's been in charge. Um, now, if you want to tag the entire Department of Transportation on him, which he did not head except for the last you know, seven, eight years, yes, I think that's going to be an albatross. If you want to tag the administrations around him or Louisiana's history, and I think that's where a Jeff Landry, a Sharon Hewitt, that's where some of the people on the other side are going to go. They're going to hang, and we've done that to every administration. We've hung the entire history of Louisiana on everyone that came before them. So specifically, I think, Sean Wilson, you're going to find out he moved projects. He's done some improvements. But no, if you want to hang Louisiana roads around him as his one thing, 
then I think that's going to be a harder, harder task for him to overcome. But I think as a specific manager of what he's done, the larger problem you might have specifically with Sean Wilson, if I remember correctly, a couple of years ago, he really pushed for that gas tax. Mm-hmm. And that created a little upstir with the legislature. And a lot of folks said, oh, we wanted more taxes. He was just trying to fund the roads to get them improved. And so he's going to have all those challenges. But the biggest challenge comes down to who his opponent will be on the right. And that's why he's in the race. Because structurally, he can walk through the primary and he can get to the runoff. And now the big question is going to be how far right do the Republicans go, i.e., how many voters will they push back, how many moderates will will back off their candidate on the right and consider an African-American, consider a Democrat, consider a moderate. Scott, we've got several candidates uh, on the Republican side that have already announced. Jeff Landry, of course, the uh, attorney general, considered the front runner. Uh, State Treasurer John Schroeder, Sharon Hewitt, a senator, and uh, Richard Nelson, Zan John, uh, Hunter. Uh, there are several. Do you consider uh, uh, Landry as the as the front runner? Or are there others that are going to be, you know, positive? Um, Kyle, I'm, I'm just showing up. Yeah, thank you. Showing up, and, and do you see anybody else coming into the race? At this point, no. I think the last major candidate we're, we're looking at is Garrett Graves, the U.S. congressman out of the Baton Rouge area. Um, I think Jeremy Alford reported last week that Graves and, um, and Landry had a meeting, and so we don't know what the result of that meeting is, but Graves has not announced yet he's running for governor. So I think that Landry understands that, the, that, that his lane's getting a little crowded out there on the right side. So he's trying to do some damage control. He, Landry is already the endorsed candidate, official endorsed candidate of the Republican Party. That's a little interesting and early. That's caused some stirs. But, yeah, I think Landry is, is, is the front runner. But see, the, the, we always talk about math in the morning on the radio. This is just math. And mm-hmm. so you look at the primary and you go, okay, Wilson's probably got at least a third, 30%, maybe 35%. So he's in. I mean, unless he gets another major African-American candidate, he's in. Despite the fact of his name recognition, he doesn't have to spend as much as the others to get over the first hurdle. Landry's out here in the right lane fighting all those people. Landry probably has the most votes. He may come in second in this this primary race. Real quick, Scott, do you see the Republicans pulling together and uh, doing something they didn't do in the last two elections and supporting one candidate and trying to win this? I see them trying to win it, Mike. I don't see them pulling together. I mean, if they pulled together, you wouldn't have at least Schroeder and Hewitt. Those are the two major opponents, I think, right now to Landry. And what they're what they're all attempting to do is to box Jeff to the far right. You're not going to run farther right than Landry, and they're they're going to peel votes off of Landry. And so that's where your real battle is. Which one of those three, maybe four or five, we'll see who gets in, can come in second. And then that person would like their chances against um, Tom Wilson. What Wilson's going against is historical voting. To, to win the to win the governor's race as an African American Democrat, he's going to have to get almost all of the Black Democratic vote, 95 percent of that vote, which is typically about thirty percent of the voters, and he's going to have to get twenty five, thirty percent crossover white vote, and that's going to depend on who the Republican candidate is. If it's Landry, the Republicans may lose some of that vote. If it's one of the more moderates, although Hewitt's not that moderate, but if it's one of the more moderates, then maybe they hold that vote. But you've you got to go back 20 years until we saw this race. You've got to go back to the Jefferson-Mike Foster race, and it didn't work that well for the black Democratic candidate.
101.7 FM, 710 Kiel, Mike and McCarty. Erin is the queen. It's her world. We're all just living in it. Whatever. Whatever. Marco Rubio introducing the Daylight Saving Time legislation called Sunshine Protection Act mm -hmm. of 2023 for the 118th Congress. Um I, Here's this is my objective today. I'm going to get him on the air this okay. week. I'm going to I'm going to see if I can get a hold of Marco Rubio. I want you to do that. I want you to try that. I, I'm I'm going to I'm going to see. I'm going to dip my toe in that pool of Aaron's <laughs> awesomeness. Awesomeness. Okay, whatever. And and see if I can get a hold of him because uh, he wants to make daylight saving time permanent, which would mean when we change the clocks this Sunday, spring forward. Mm -hmm. No more changing the clocks. That would be it. Just leave God, the clocks alone. A freaking Luya. I would be okay with that. I really would be. And I, you know, and I, and I know there's people that are. Oh, the kids will be out in the dark, getting on their school buses in the morning. Oh, I, come they're going to be all right. And yeah. it's not going to burn your tomatoes up the extra hour of daylight. Boy, people got hot about that. <laughs> Literally, you're burning <laughs> my tomatoes up. Burning up my tomatoes. That's a problem. We did get a we did get a, a message on the Shreveport Security Systems message board uh, last week about that, uh, uh, saying that the, it, there's still an issue with farmers apparently mm -hmm. getting up early and say and, and I, can't, I don't see it right in front of me at the yep. moment. We but don't know the said, farm life. Yep. Yeah, that we don't understand getting mm -hmm. up at five a.m. and getting workers at five a.m. is easier than getting them there at four a.m. Yes. Um, you just make adjustments and the evening sun is is harsher than the morning sun you know i i know i'm i don't but, know the, no that doesn't make any that argument doesn't make any sense to me because the sun is the same whether it's six o'clock or seven o'clock well, we know that we, sun, we know it that doesn't change the amount of daylight your plants or is getting or your tomatoes are getting but we do know the temp in the morning is milder than the temp in the late afternoon after the sun's been baking us all but day. how does that affect the crop? Because it's, it's the same sunlight, whatever, regardless of what time we call it. It's, it's the a, same sunlight. But it's a hotter temp. The afternoon temp is that typically hotter. Okay, well, that doesn't change. And that burns up their tomatoes. Whether we call it 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock, <laughs> that sunlight's still going to be the same. No, but the temp is hotter. That's their point, I think. Okay, so if we say it's 7 o'clock, that makes the temp hotter? If we say it was 6 o'clock, would the temp be cooler then? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That, that, oh, that, it just doesn't know. make sense to me. I, I know. I, I don't understand it. And I'm, I'm upset because we'll lose an hour sleep coming up this week, and, and that's going to be taking adjustment. And I already was late getting here today because I, I, I was like before sleeping. You, that's never happened. I know. That's rare. It's rare for me because I did a lot of stuff last night. You know, I got ahead of the game, and I so I was like, oh, I can stay home a little while longer and have a d different breakfast and all that. So that's what I did. Well, I, and, and f that's funny because I moved my alarm up a little bit, mm -hmm. about 15 minutes a little bit earlier. Yeah. And, and then I got here, and I was like, wait a minute. Your car mm. wasn't out there. No, <laughs> I no. I was like. 
Oh, my gosh. I was chilling. We have a busy schedule tomorrow. Tons of guests and a busy day. Okay, yeah. Tomorrow, Commissioner in, uh, Louisiana Insurance Commissioner Jim Donlin going to join us at uh, 710. We've got State Rep Cedric Glover at 740. He's talking about the state office building state, moving that's downtown. That's exciting news. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Landry, Louisiana Attorney General on the 810 and uh I'm, I, I sound like I'm having a stroke. What is going on with me I this morning? I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not making light of having a stroke, no. believe me. No. Sharon Hewitt at 840. She's a Republican candidate for governor. Uh, we'll also replay Sean Wilson and uh, Richard Nelson, both candidates for governor, tomorrow mm-hmm. morning in the 6 o'clock hour. You so. bet. Wow. Busy day. Mm-hmm. Good don't even you. have room for Marco Rubio if you get him. Well, I'm not going to do it tomorrow. <laughs> we'll wait later in the week. Yes. I'm going to see if I can get in touch with him. Okay. Mike and McCarty, T-Rex, 1017 FM, 710.